0: This is The Chicken Yogi Show, hosted by The Chicken Yogi, Kit Kilstow. Kit creates neurodivergent and chronic illness liberation through a devotion to radical free-range wellness. Look for wellness as unique as you are and find your own path with The Chicken Yogi Way. Learn more and receive a free gift when you subscribe to their newsletter at chickenyogi.com. And now, today's show. now today's show. Welcome to the Chicken Yogi Show. This week we're going to talk about the ableism in guided meditations and I'm here with Emma Barnes. You may be familiar with her work through the Neurodivergent Anthology. I have worked with her as a writer and she's just one of the most joyful people that I've ever met and so I'm looking forward to this conversation. So welcome.
1: Hi kid. thanks for having me on the show.
0: Great. Why don't we start by having you tell our listeners and our viewers just a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay. <clears throat> um, I am a neurodivergent trans woman. I live in so-called Australia, that big continent down the, down the bottom. That um, yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know what to say about myself. Um, I write. I teach bridge for a crust. And um glad to be here.
0: Wonderful. Well, I'm so glad that you're here. I think we should start by just kind of confirming what we're talking about when we're talking about guided meditations. Right. So, yeah. So when I'm thinking about guided meditations, I'm thinking about the meditations that you find on YouTube or in podcasts. Or they might be given to you by like a spiritual person that they are supposed to have you go on a journey to accomplish something.
2: Mm, great definition.
0: I've been thinking about that. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like that phrase to accomplish something That's, that comes through, doesn't it?
0: It does. And actually, I was listening to a podcast earlier today, um, and they were talking about mindfulness and meditation in a work setting. And what really jumped out at me, because you and I have talked about it, is the person speaking said that you can't give somebody an audio and expect it to reduce their stress. Wow. I know. I, I was like, wow, that, that totally hits on what we were talking about. So, I, And I think that's part of the ableism is that the person who is doing the meditation actually wants you to do something or accomplish something that they think that mm-hmm. you should be able to do. And shall we kind of riff on that a bit?
1: Yeah, I'm having so many thoughts right now. I'm picturing this problem in a brand new way from those words. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So particularly for neurodivergent folk, right? The message that of somebody else trying to change you is like the key to so many neurodivergent people's trauma. We have parents who looked at us and went, you're not doing it right. And I'm going to make it different. (laughs) And here's a person on a meditation saying, let's change you like that's the
2: trigger it, oh my god it is you just blew my
0: mind because <laughs> i mean i didn't even think about it that way i thought of it more from you know the i'm assuming they were two neurotypical people talking and that would be a bad assumption on my part um but i you know they certainly it seemed much more transactional than to totally get into the changing somebody and behavior behavior analyst behave, behavior anyway aba crap yeah. that um
3: uh,
0: yeah oh yeah that's that brings a whole new layer thank you for bringing mm. that up
1: mm. yeah i'm still processing that
0: <clears throat> yeah and so f- for those who aren't familiar with the term ableism it is, and I just caught myself doing it there with you know assuming that those two people were not neurodivergent it's the it's the fact that the able bodied individual is seen as the default or normal yeah. and yeah. i am I am fond of saying that normal is a setting on the dryer.
1: I love that so much <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know.
1: I've thrown that at a couple of people since I first heard you say it.
0: Oh, cool. (laughs) Yes. It's like, what's normal. So that's the people assuming that this audio will reduce your stress without knowing anything about your stress levels, what's going on in your life,
3: your Mm. community,
0: what support do you have? I mean, that's a little, that's a big assumption that they're making, I think.
1: The assumption that, that the audio can reduce stress or the assumption that you're normal?
2: both
1: Mm. yeah
2: yeah I remember
1: a um massage I got a few years ago and the into the practitioner I'd seen once before and was really great and I thought I'm going to go back and see that person and they changed up their practice when I went back the second time and the way they'd changed it was of the hour that we spent massaging the first 15 minutes wasn't like an in-depth exchange of How am I? What's going on? What do I need? What You know, like a really detailed, get to know your stuff. And I felt so much better and safer the second time with that person, even though the first one was great.
0: Yeah, that would feel amazing. I know I try to do that with my yoga um, clients. Is You know, I'm like, okay, before we do anything, let's sit down and talk. I want to know where you're at. You want to know where I'm at. And then we connect. Yeah.
3: Mm.
0: And that, you know, that, that gets to the the thought of connection and community. I think a lot of us are in these online spaces for connection and community. Mm. But pulling a random audio off of YouTube, when you don't know the person, you don't know their agenda. Mm. I think that's part of it because you're expected to at least connect with them, if not yourself, kind of on command.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> feels like feels like work.
1: Yeah. Trying to feel safe with people who I don't know enough about, that feels like work to me.
0: Very much so. Mm-hmm. And you brought up earlier the the neurodivergent trauma. And so much of that is because... You know when you're trying to do that work and then you've got that in the back of your head that this happened before and trying to keep it from happening again and mm-hmm. that just adds more work I think on top of the work that the meditation's already asking of you
1: yeah and the semantics of the you're not doing it right feeling mm-hmm. I had this great word a little while ago um their name's Aaron Rackham they're they do stuff on I don't know one of the Twitters or something they they described a reality crash where in childhood the way it might go is if you're a stimming person and you're just stimming away stimming away you're in your flow doing your thing and then somebody says hey what are you doing with your hands or you know calls out your weirdness while you're in your flow everything changes suddenly you're in this spacey place and then boom oh i have to witness myself because i'm doing something wrong and the somatic feeling is like a reality crash as they describe it and i've ever since i've noticed that somatic in various ways Um, for example as i was getting ready to meet you today i was running a little bit late and I was in my flow of getting something done. And then there was, oh, shit, the clock. What? How much time do I have left? And I looked at the clock and it was three minutes later than I thought it was. And I thought I'm going to be running late. Boom, reality crash. And it was a reminder of this somatic of I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> and at the beginning of a meditation, I hear that so often I'm. I'm preparing to be in a flow. I'm starting to get in a flow state. And then I'll hear something like, make sure your back is straight. <laughs> Beggy <your laughs> pardon? <laughs> I've got scoliosis. Get fucked. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing about it now, but the experience when it happens is a sudden intake of breath and a wave of shame, which is not conducive to... What we're trying to do in a meditation.
0: Not at all. And there should be no shame around people whose bags tend to go their own direction. Right. I mean, it's 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 not like, you know, you can go to your spine and say, hey, straighten up back there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great point. And, what I hear so often is this person expected me to slow down my thoughts mm. for this meditation or mindfulness is slowing down my thoughts. Ooh, yeah. and, and it's like, one, you're not changing the way I think. And two, hello, I have, you know, ADHD. There's no slowing down that train. Mm. Mm.
2: <laughs> so yeah there's
0: there's expectations built in, and I think unknowingly to a lot of people, those expectations are something that I've heard you talk a lot about too, and that is it's built into the the whiteness, the default the the colonization just all of that that's built into the Western culture. I mean, you're in Australia, I'm in the United States, and, you know, it's built into both of our cultures.
2: Yeah, (laughs) and the expectations of normal. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: And you see that, too, in the images of meditation, that when you look, like, for stock photos, it's always somebody meditating in a park and they're wearing fashionable workout clothes the and they're thin. Sitting, they're yeah. thin they're sitting up straight they're you know doing all of that and it's just baked into there's a right way and a wrong way to meditate and there there is not I mean i, I, I mm. I've studied this there you know I, I I'm certified as a teacher. There's not a right way and a wrong way to meditate.
1: Mm. Yeah. I'm thinking about how that comes about. And it's like this one way communication. I mean, obviously we're divided by geography and, you know, devices and the internet give us access to each other from a distance, but only to a degree. And the mm-hmm. way, the way that information comes down this pipeline is in is unidirectional. It's in one way and you know it's a it's a product that we're consuming a marketable product, and yeah, we don't get that feedback of interaction and knowing the person who's speaking to us, asking them a question showing them who we are yeah, so they're gonna they're gonna sell it at the maximum rate, and the maximum rate is the average is the normal is the and it's not there's nothing average actually about normal is there it's like it's a Mm particular it's an average of a particular um kind of favored human but yeah that's what it's being produced for is for is to to satisfy the normal and then also to recreate the normal trying to get everyone to impersonate normal
0: yes yes Mm. And it's it's done, too, I think, to get people to impersonate normal because they're trying to fix that which they don't perceive. is like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you've got a lot of practitioners
1: here who are delivering a, a meditation who don't actually know any of this. They don't actually know that they're trying to create normal. And that's like, I, I find that a little bit disturbing as well when I kind of hear evidence of that, you know in a meditation, like when someone describes what they want out of me and, and I, I'm hearing like, you know, I'm hearing echoes of like, <laughs> I'm abnormal in lots of ways and I'm hearing echoes of the things people literally said to me about how I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. Ooh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's actually a conversation that's happening about this too in like yoga spaces how do you cue somebody to go into a pose right and there's you know there's a lot of talk around inviting people that you can't you can't order people what to do with their bodies you can't order people what to do with their minds and i think the guided meditation world still has to catch up with that to some extent
1: mm. yeah well, that's lovely that the conversation's going on. I remember the first medical practitioner who ever practiced informed consent with me it didn't happen till my mid-40s. <laughs> but when it did happen, all of a sudden I felt safe in a medical setting in a way I'd never felt safe before.
2: Wow, that's great.
1: Mm. Yeah, they said, um, I mean, their role was explicitly to to cut me open And they said, I had a local anaesthetic, and they said, um, obviously to do so, they were going to have to touch me where they were cutting me. And they said to me, can I touch you here? And my body just relaxed. I, you know, I was anxious about getting cut open for one thing, but also like all this tension about when and how and, would the person doing it have any, What well, you know, so many things. And when they said, can I touch you here for something they were obviously going to have to
2: do to do this procedure, I just unfurled. It was wonderful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's, and of course,
0: a lot of these meditations are online, so there's not the in-person, but I know like in in-person yoga spaces, There's talk about cue cards where you could actually give somebody a little card to put on their mat that says, it's okay to touch me. And even if you do that, Mm. um, you know, still ask them because your consent can change from moment to moment. Mm, And the the one-way delivery that you were talking about, I think, really doesn't take that into fact.
1: Mm. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, I'd never thought about this in the context of consent. There's no, there's no room for consent, is there? In this one-way delivery, <clears throat> the only consensual uh, exchange of consent that happens is you pressing play at the start.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: But pressing play kind of
0: consents to everything all at once.
2: Mm. I mean,
0: mm. you can. You can stop and you can, you know, I'll say that even for my meditations, you can stop at any time. But I think there's a lot of the way that meditations are built in our society. I think there's a lot of feelings if you have, if, you know, a meditation
2: doesn't work out. Right. The shame of not, of not succeeding. Mm Hmm. yeah Yeah. and so i i think what i'm hearing is that
0: the meditations need to do better i think guided meditations need to do better about you know inviting rather than demanding Mm.
3: and
0: being aware of people's differences.
1: Yeah. And I, yeah, I guess I want to say that it's it's not easy to do. I found myself, I recorded a couple of guided meditations just for personal use with my partner who did so, did so the same thing. And we laughed at each other because we've had these criticisms together of guided meditations. We laughed as we stumbled across the same problems. Of course, these were just for personal use and we didn't have to worry about upsetting anybody else. But as we listened back to them, we realized, oh, look, there's, there's a place where we could really trip somebody out. Oh, here's a place where, et cetera, et cetera. And we're, I mean, to be real, we're probably a lot more careful about um, ableist tropes than all the guided meditations that we've run into. But it was still very difficult to do to think through all of that. I find that's an experience in writing as well. I know we like to write in theory, not for an audience and just make our art. But when I think about putting something in a particular place for consumption, I try to think about as many of the readers as possible. And, you know, that makes editing a piece of writing, instead of a, you know, 10 minute process, makes it the bulk of the work. Just going through and filtering for different readerships, and we have sensitivity readers now for for uh-huh. editing, right? And that's yeah. Maybe we need a sensitivity readers readers program for um, guided meditations, or maybe guided meditations. Maybe the structure of guided meditations is is a big part of the problem.
0: Yeah, give me an idea, huh? <laughs> mm. I know one of the services that that I offer um is that i will I will go through and do an accessibility audit for somebody's online yoga class um, yeah I, who's your who's your intended audience and who you know are you are you being inclusive are you being inviting as somebody with, with physical limitations, who's neurodivergent, are you offering adaptations, are you pretty setting, you know, all sorts of things, you know, that, and yeah, I think a sensitivity type reader for guided meditations would be lovely, because it, 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 you know, it hurts my heart to hear people online talking about meditations, and, and how, you know, it, it, it harmed them because meditation is not supposed to harm. I mean, even looking mm. at the, the origins of meditation, the original origin of meditation and mindfulness was for liberation.
1: Yeah. It's some special kind of ironic tragedy, isn't it? That mm-hmm. It would do, do so much damage. It strikes me that if meditation is made, normatively and you know able, with ableism baked in um then it's kind of like fluff for people who are doing fine and more damage for people who aren't yeah yeah the people who need this the most <laughs> um yeah it's just more harm
0: more harm and yeah. for those for those of us who are trying to help the people who need it, it's an uphill battle. Mm. Because when just try yoga or just try meditation is a buzzword followed by laughter to come in and say no 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 it doesn't have to be this way, you're now having to undo and and undo isn't probably even the right term, but you're you're having to you know basically explain that you know there's there's multiple roads for meditation and there here's how we go on a journey to find the one that works for you not oh, you did it once and it's wrong and it will never work again.
1: Mm. Yeah, it makes your project a uh, a really big and important one kit. You're trying to mm-hmm. build the build the world that's possible rather than um simply criticize the one that doesn't work. It sounds like a <clears throat> Yeah, I guess you get a lot of um you make you make inroads in this space by producing meditation that works and offering meditation that works and getting feedback from people constantly which it and it and it is it's helpful that you're disabled and have insight into this so you can actually I think that's maybe maybe a part of the problem isn't it that a lot of people make, making these meditations probably don't have a lived experience of divergence to the degree that many of the people coming to them do.
0: Yeah, you, you've you hit that proverbial nail because, you know, I am reminded of the college class I took. And, you know, at the very end, we learned about all the medical uses of meditation and how it's now being studied. And while I don't personally know the situations of the big names in that space, uh, John Kabat-Zinn, who you know, I, I've read, in, you know, like you know, you know, some of his work, some of his stuff I disagree with, but he came at it as trying to offer a tool to help cancer patients with their pain and with their outcomes. And so, on one hand, that's a very laudable goal, and you know, I people need to help individuals with long-term, you know, chronic illness deal with these things. But on the other hand, if he doesn't have that lived experience, then he's trying to fix rather than trying to guide him on a journey.
1: Mm. Yeah. I always get the creeps when I hear about medicine trying to. Well, <laughs> there's so much. There's so much that gives me the creeps about that story. One thing is just the the kind of appropriation vibes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, medicine's goal is to normalise. I mean, normal. Yeah, normal. People, people who study psychology, the history of psychology and psychiatry, like vary onto this of how the um, the idea of normal makes this basically a a makes psychotherapy and psychiatry a persecutory exercise rather than an assistive one. And <clears throat> it's not just psychiatry and psychology; it's all of medicine. Normal is part of all of medicine. Normal functioning is, you know, the goal. And when we say healthy, we are, we're often say we're mistaking well-being for normality. You know, <laughs> I mean, fat people know this. They know that when they go to the doctor, the doctor's trying to, yeah, they're trying <laughs> trying to make them normal, not trying to make them happy and well um yeah I get, I get those vibes when I hear about a cancer doctor dishing out meditation to cancer patients without any idea of probably like the neurodivergence of many of those cas- cancer patients who are going to get triggered by it as well <laughs> yeah, yeah. time I got a lot going on in my body right now I'm going to stim on camera <laughs> that's
0: okay yeah no It's it's true, and, you know, we could even take it outside of meditation. And if you think about, there's there's fascinating intersections and Venn diagrams and a lot of overlap between neurodivergence. I'm going to give a shout-out to a blog that's called O-Twist that I follow. I love O-Twist. And they talk about um, hypermobility syndrome or Eiler-Standler's syndrome, and my apologies if I pronounce that wrong. Um, And there's a lot of overlap between those of us with fibromyalgia diagnoses, uh, mast cell disorders, and then you can go into POTS and dysonotomia, and now you can include long COVID in that, um, chronic fatigue syndrome, or it's known as ME um, in the rest of the world. There's a lot of You know, there's a lot of overlap between that and neurodivergence.
2: Yeah. 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 There's a, there's a TikTok creator called Sam. uh,
1: Sam, I don't know his last name. He's in California. His name's Sam. He's a chiropractor, I think, and he is doing wizardry absolute wizardry on this so he's all all over the crossover and his interest and he's neurodivergent himself and his interest is in um all of the basically he he um looks after lots of people who are neurodivergent and have pots and ellis downless and whatever else <clears throat> and just talks about the relationship and and he has incredible exercises that have made an enormous difference to me really simple things one of the things he talks about is um, exactly this, actually, exactly what we're discussing. Um, so he talks about stretching. So we've all been taught when we went to school or when we were little kids that stretching means r- pushing, d- going straight into the, the deepest kind of feeling you can get. So I'm going to reach down and grab my toes, right? That's a, that's a great idea. And I'm going to stretch as far as I can. He's like, no, 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 no. You want to do tiny little movements. You want to just gently ease into the feeling, so, so that so that you can just feel the muscle that you're thinking about, and you just want to touch on stretching it a little, the tiniest little bit at, at a time. And the feeling of listening to him talk about this and his lived experience is what makes it possible. Is like. Oh, oh this is enough. Oh, I always <laughs> thought I was doing not enough and I was getting it wrong and and now I feel ah a little bit at a time. I can feel my muscle. Oh, okay, this is fine. Different experience altogether. Where well if
2: we got if we got more um what have we covered? We talked about So oh. we've hit everything on my list. Um from our test run. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think we nailed it.
0: Yeah, I think my final question would be, so what would you design, or if this puts you on the spot, I apologize, but what would you like to see in a guided meditation that would feel much
2: more welcoming to you?
1: <clears throat> uh, I don't know if I have the imagination for that, but I do have recollection of one of meditation that worked for me above and beyond all others. Um, it was by a yogi and it was super simple. And he just said, he didn't, didn't do any of that preparatory nonsense, like setting up what kind of body he wants you to have. None of that nonsense. He just said, take a deep, long, slow breath in. And then spoke the timing of it. So hold that breath and let it go. And he was nudging towards um, whatever the... whatever the ideas were involved in this, but just nudging towards it one tiny achievable instruction at a time. So the first, you know, the, the, I think there are five breaths at the start. There's a there's a hold at the top and then a release. And it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing, you're not going to hear a single word in that meditation that says you're doing this wrong or that in, that suggests that you might be in the wrong position or anything like that. Just instructions about how long to breathe for, and then, and then there was like just really mild goals. I think something like, I I can't actually remember. I can't actually remember. But the whole meditation was about four or four minutes long, I think. And I went back to that for years because everything else tripped me into thinking I was doing it wrong.
0: That sounds perfect. That sounds amazing.
1: Hmm.
0: Those are the meditations that I, those are the kind that I like to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Simple.
0: Yeah. Simple. Not try to do five things at once. Mm. The ones that, that they include on the 10% happier podcast. Um, which I think have good intentions. But one of the things I like is a lot of their meditations to say, breathe in a way that feels good to you
1: nice
0: yeah and it's like okay that's good you know because you know breath breath work breath work can be interesting if if you have trauma and stuff so yeah well great Mm. well I think we've had a lovely conversation and I think we'll have a conversation that will um, let our listeners think about things and kind of give them some food for thought um do you have any final words or want to share websites or just have them go to the show notes for you know finding your work or anything
1: um no i mean uh no i have no no um particular places to send people um but uh thanks very much for a great chat kit and um yeah <laughs> it's lovely
0: well thank you for being here i appreciate it Thank you for listening to The Chicken Yogi Show, hosted by The Chicken Yogi, Kit Kilstow. Kit's passion is creating neurodivergent and chronic illness liberation through a devotion to radical free-range wellness. We're not one-size-fits-all people, so why should your wellness be designed for everyone? Learn more at chickenyogi.com and subscribe to the newsletter while you're there for a free gift. Please follow the podcast at podcast.chickenyogi.com subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Music is Running with the Horses by Purple Planet Music. Their website is purple-planet.com. This show is copyright 2023. All rights reserved by Kit Kailstow and Chicken Yogi. Thank you for listening.